0: With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
1: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
2: Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, September 28th, 2023. The Feast of St. Wenceslas. Yes, Good King Wenceslaus went out on the feast of... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sing the song to you. But St. Wenceslaus was a duke, a sovereign, and he was a patron saint of Bohemia, amongst other countries as well. He was known for practicing the most beautiful of all virtues, that is, his chastity, his purity, his virginity, remaining chaste his entire life. Now, he was a grandson of a saint and the son of a fanatical pagan mother, which just goes to show you that despite what anybody says, there are many, many royalty that are saints. Despite this, he represented Christian royalty of his time, and he upheld the values of his faith. And I just wonder... How many king saints have there been, and how many king or how many president saints have there been? That's always a interesting comparison to make. And as the chief of the Bohemian family, he acted as the father of his people. His subjects, from the greatest to the smallest, could appeal to his justice. This is also a principle of subsidiarity of how we should have smaller kingdoms. The fact that <laughs> I don't think any one of us could uh, get on our phone and dial up the president. It shows the difference between the kingdoms in the past and the kingdoms today. Now, he was known for his irrefutable arbiter of justice. His decisions were impartial and unmarked by personal interest. He was a peacemaker striving to unite his people for the common good. Now, his brother, Boleslaus, was inspired by their pagan mother to murder Wenceslaus, and you think you have a bad relationship with your mom, while he was in prayer before the tabernacle in the palace chapel. Now, in 961, Emperor Otto I of Germany called Wenceslaus to the diet of worms, Wenceslas was known for his piety, arrived late because he was remaining in the chapel to pray a bit longer. Now, the nobles, who were irritated by his delay, had resolved not to rise when he entered, which was the custom at the time that if anybody of royalty would walk through the doors, everyone would rise, even the emperor himself. And I actually got to experience this firsthand when I was at a conference with the uh, prince of Brazil, who when he entered, everybody in the room uh, w- was to rise as his, at his entrance, even if he showed up late to the event, which he actually did. We're at the middle of a talk, and he walks in late, and everybody freezes, rises into his seats, and then we all sat back down, and the talk continues. Now, however, despite the fact that they all decided to not rise when he entered, they saw him flanked by two angels, and it was so glorious That even the Emperor Otto paid him respects, and they all rose anyways, and Emperor Otto placed him in the seat of honor beside himself. And as a sign of his consideration, Emperor Otto gave him two relics, an arm of St. Vitus and the bones of St. Sigismund, the king of Burgundy, who was also a warrior sovereign. Now, many people ask why miracles like this don't happen anymore, and it is a sign that divine providence has abandoned a certain people, a particular cycle of civilization in the historical era. Instead, it becomes marked by a sign of punishment. So let us pray to St. Wenceslaus that we can be prepared for the chastisement that will bring people back to the faith, and that was predicted by Our Lady of Fatima, so that mankind will enter another age where God will be honored and glorified and miracles will again take place. St. Wenceslaus, pray for us. Uh, good morning. Joining us right now is Attorney Brent Haynes. He's filling in for Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Haynes.
3: Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, everyone. Yeah,
2: praise be to God. Uh, what do you think? St. Laws? pretty cool guy, huh?
3: He is, and one of those few saints from that era that is remembered because of that song.
2: Yeah, I know, right? If it yeah. wasn't for that song, nobody would know who he is. Right. And the song has nothing to do about all these other things. It right. kind of just focuses on his his charity towards uh, the poor.
3: Which is a virtue. Which is it a is virtue. A Christian virtue.
2: Not yeah. as cool, though, as like showing up for the emperor and being flanked by angels. That's
3: pretty cool, too. <laughs> they should work a verse in on that.
2: I think so. I think I'll rewrite the song, and I'll add that in. Uh, but it's pretty cool, though, especially considering like, people ask, why did this not happen today? And I think it's a, often, uh, one, because I don't think we have any politicians who are saintly in the same way we had saints back then. And two, if it did happen where there was angels flanking someone, I think instead of people honoring that person, they would hate him even more. Like The, the, the hardness of the heart it would be like Pharaoh. Whenever they see the witness, the miracles of God, you have two choices, right? Your heart can be softened. Or it can be hardened. And I think we live in such a world that the hearts would be hardened, not not softened. Ren's like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> I'm not in, in agreement. <laughs> All right. At 15 past the hour, Matt, and I'm going to have to ask him how to pronounce his last name. Matt Azuro, I believe it's pronounced, with Fight Club Catholic will be on to talk about fighting pornography on college campuses. See, I saw Fight Club Catholic, and I thought it was like an underground fighting club. And I was uh, informed that it was actually about fighting pornography. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Joe Biden receives money from communist China. Did you hear about that story, hmm, very interesting. At 45 past the hour, California is the first state to implement a gun and ammo tax. We're going to talk about that at 45 past the hour. Plus, a Muslim news site reports... On Catholics being persecuted? Very interesting. We'll talk about that as well. In the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be on with us. And we, of course, have our Fear and Trembling game show where prizes are, in fact, involved. So make sure you tune in for the entirety of the show because we'd love to give you a prize. So make sure you have that number. You can always go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get all the information about our show. Now, let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in, our li- in your life. We're going to pray for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for in a special way i ask for your prayers for the healing miraculous healing of my grandfather and when his in his cancer we pray for emily esserman and her liver problems and the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen o oh, blessed virgin mary immaculate mother of god who did endure a martyrdom of love and grief beholding the sufferings and sorrows of jesus Thou didst cooperate in the benefits of my redemption by thy innumerable afflictions and by offering to the Eternal Father his only begotten Son as a holocaust and victim of propitiation for my sins. I thank thee for the unspeakable love which led thee to deprive thyself of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, true God and true man, to save me, a sinner. O, make use of the unfailing intercession of thy sorrows with the Father and the Son, that I may steadfastly amend my life and never again crucify my loving redeemer by new sins. Arid that, persevering till death in his grace, I may obtain eternal life through the merits of his cross and passion. Mother of love, of sorrow, and of mercy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
3: And now, your Headline News with Brent Haynes. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Brent Haynes, and at eight minutes after the hour... This is your news, keeping you informed and inspired. Republican presidential candidates debate in California. GOP presidential candidates engaged in a spirited debate for the second time last night, this time from the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. The debate, sponsored by Fox Business News and Univision, included seven candidates who qualified through poll rankings and political donations received. Former President Donald Trump skipped the debate, just as he skipped the first, instead visiting striking United Auto Workers in Michigan. Former Nagorno-Karabakh Armenian leader arrested as over 50,000 refugees flee region, according to the National Catholic Register. Ruben Vardanyan, a former high-ranking official in the ethnic Armenian enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh, was arrested by Azerbaijan authorities yesterday as he attempted to flee the region following Azerbaijan's use of military power to subdue the previously self-governing enclave. Vardanyan is a former state minister of the Republic of Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh's ethnic Armenian separatist government, that was defeated by the intense Azeri military offensive on September 19th. Azerbaijan did not state why Vardanyan was arrested. Yesterday, the Armenian government announced that more than 50,000 forcibly detained persons from Nagorno-Karabakh had crossed into, forcibly displaced persons from Nagorno-Karabakh had crossed into Armenia. This is more than 40% of the total ethnic Armenian population of 120,000 in Nagorno-Karabakh. California Governor Gavin Newsom signs bills that will penalize schools that refuse to teach LGBT content, according to Catholic News Agency. The legislation will reduce funding to schools that restrict LGBT content from their classrooms and will centralize state authority over school curricula by fining schools that restrict books that cover homosexuality and gender ideology. Some school boards have done so out of concerns that the content is too sexually explicit for young children. The legislation is just one of 10 bills focused on homosexuality and transgenderism that Newsom signed this week. Earlier, Newsom vetoed a bill that would have required judges deciding child custody and visitation to consider whether the parents affirmed the child's gender identity. The Department of Justice ordered Hunter Biden investigators to remove any reference to Joe Biden in Fara probe warrant, reports Fox News. The U.S. Department of Justice ordered FBI and IRS agents investigating Hunter Biden to remove any reference to President Biden in a search warrant related to a Foreign Agents Registration Act investigation, according to documents released by the House Ways and Means Committee. Committee Chairman Jason Smith, Republican of Missouri led a vote Wednesday to release new documents provided by IRS whistleblowers Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. The whistleblowers previously testified that the Department of Justice interfered in the investigation of Hunter Biden by limiting the ability of investigators to interview witnesses and obtain evidence. And at 11 minutes past the hour, that's the news. Now for the good news, back to Adrian.
2: Thank you, Brent. For keeping us up to date. Now, the gospel today comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Verse 7 here says, Now, Herod the Tetriarch, now we'll stop right there. We're already only four words in and we're going to pause for a second because Herod the Tetriarch, why does he mention the Tetriarch? This is because this is a different Herod from him who killed the children. This is something that many people mistakenly conflate the two. But Cornelius of and St. Thomas Aquinas make the point that this is not the same Herod. In fact, this is the Herod's son. Herod the Great is the one who slew the children. He's known as the Great because he helped rebuild the temple for the Jews And yet, he's also the one who killed a bunch of kids, yet he's known as Herod the Great. Um, Not a great guy, if you ask me. Now, Herod was that son, and so he was a Tetrarch and not a king. Something to keep in mind. Now, he goes on, heard of all the things that were done by him, him being our Lord Jesus Christ, and he was in doubt because it was said, by some that John was risen from the dead, but by others some that Elias had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets was risen again. Now, He is very interested in this idea. Why? Because the Jews at this time, and even to this day, many people don't know this, but Jews even to this day believe in reincarnation. Now, not all Jews believe this. There's a subset of Jews. There's a subset of Jews today and in the time of Christ that believes in reincarnation. So they believe that possibly that this was John the Baptist come again, or that this was Elias who came again, which Elias would have been someone who had not died. So this was something that was not uncommon among the Jews at that time and is still not that uncommon today. In verse 9, it says, And Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I heard such things? And he sought to see him. Why did he think that he wanted to see him? Because he recognized, I cut the head off of John the Baptist. And so if I cut the head off John the Baptist and I see this man, I will be able to know whether or not it is John. I will recognize his face and be able to see whether or not John had risen from the dead. Now, this is something to keep in mind because we see over and over again in Scripture that the people wanted to kill our Lord. But remember, our Lord is God. And so he chose how, why, and when he was to be killed, how and why and when he would be crucified. Because throughout the Scriptures, people sought to kill him. And yet he did not allow it because it was not the time and it was not fitting that he'd be, he be killed in such ways of like stoning, like beheading, like being thrown from a cliff. All these were ways the Jews sought to kill him, but it was not the will of God. It was a will of God that he be crucified for our sins and that he rise from the dead on the third day from the tomb. So let's meditate upon this today and let's thank God for his glorious life and death. We'll be right back with more.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, Keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. And despite the bad news in the world, despite whatever's going on in your neighborhood, despite the struggles that are going on in your life, it's still good to be here. Why? Why is it good to be here? Because we have an opportunity to fight for the kingdom of God, to fight the battle, to run the race, to go against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And speaking of fighting, joining us right now is Matt, and I'm going to say if I can pronounce his name correctly, he can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt Ojaro is with us with FightClubCatholic.com. Speaking of fighting, good morning to you, Matt. Good morning. Uh, Tell me, how do you say your last name? What's the correct way?
5: Matt O'Hara, that's okay. (laughs)
2: O'Hara, O'Hara, okay, there we go. Uh, Matt (laughs) O'Hara with Fight Club Catholic. Now. Your situation here, I thought, was really interesting. I saw your talk on FightClubCatholic.com, listening to your story. And at first, I hear Fight Club Catholic immediately. What do you think of? You think of the movie Fight Club. And I'm like, oh, interesting. A a Catholic fighting uh, underground fight club. That sounds interesting. Uh, but no, it's actually against uh fighting the pornography movement. So tell me about this organization.
5: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we began in 2013 with five guys, and uh we had we had one guy who was <clears throat> who was struggling with, with pornography every day. You know the the statistic nowadays is eighty percent of eighteen to thirty year old men are watching porn monthly. Thirty percent of that same age group is watching it daily. So back to 2013, we had one of our guys watching it daily, and going through our program, he. He was freed for three months and he decide and he says, Pray for us, pray for me. And I was like, What's that? He says, I feel like I'm called to go to seminary. And that's when I realized this ministry was not uh just pornography recovery ministry. It was allowing guys to see Jesus ministry. And to keep a long story short, <clears throat> our movement has grown from um our campus at University of Maryland to now ten campuses and seven parishes. Um, in the past three years, uh, since I wrote this book, the Fight Club Field Manual, uh, commissioned by Our Lady Guadalupe, and and it's just been it's been a joy to just spread this this gospel of hope uh, to a lot of men and and their families.
2: Now it's interesting the point you made about about seminary because there are a lot of men who will go off to seminary or who are discerning seminary. And will choose not to go to because they're addicted to pornography. This is a very, very common issue, and the question is becomes: Can should a man be ordained a priest who has this problem? And I would say no. I would say absolutely not. But then I think that's a huge issue of why we have a part of the vocation crisis is that people are saying, "Yeah, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. If I can't even get free of this, and I can't, I should not go to seminary." Uh, what say you about this a situation?
5: Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> I liken it like should should a man get married if he's uh still watching porn every day up until his engagement, through his engagement, through marriage uh, to his wedding day, right? No, I I don't think he should. Um, and so yeah, I forgot to mention, you know, uh, we've had about right around ten to eleven uh guys enter seminary uh from our um bike club membership. And, you know, to give that message of hope, I was last year, I went to an ordination of our first uh, fight club member to become a priest. And it was there when I realized, like, wow, like, this guy was in the trenches. And now he's get, sharing that gospel of Jesus Christ and, and chastity and hope to his parish. And so it just dawned on me to, like, why why can't this be everywhere, this giving guys permission to fight on every campus and every diocese and that's why I left my full-time job this past summer to dedicate uh, my life to this because I I believe in in Jesus so much and and this message so much
2: now many people are just they think that they cannot get free and they will try all these different platforms they will try um, things like Covenant Eyes and there's many programs like that and for some reason they just cannot get free so what makes your program different and successful
5: yeah, I mean, there is no silver bullet, right? Um, only th- only in silver bullet is Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a couple things that that's different. One is uh, we're the only Catholic brotherhood of this type uh, that, is, that is very simple. It, and we invite guys to really um, look at their wounds with Jesus Christ in the middle. I highly recommend the book. Unwanted by Jay Stringer, and his premise is that the specificity of what we watch can give us clues to why we go there in the first place, and oftentimes that is a memory or a wound of our past, and the key there is to bring Jesus Christ to that uh, wound, to that memory, uh, to that moment of shame, and let him love uh, you in that spot. Let him mourn with you in that spot. Um, let him tell you that he will be with you in that spot because the reality is he was there. He does love you and he is there for anyone listening. And so I've done that with uh, a few of my memories of watching porn in the past when I was when I watched it when I was 10 years old and it turns that memory no longer into darkness and shame, but a moment of light and hope and healing. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's oh. one of the reasons. Yeah.
2: Matt, have you heard of, uh, the angelic warfare confraternity?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I I, uh, was a part of it at one point for sure. Yeah.
2: Would, would you, is this, uh, an element that might be, cause I know a lot of these anti pornography groups are not Catholic. And so it would be uh, kind of difficult to get men to join that kind of thing. Uh, in part of your group, the fight club uh, do y'all have a relationship with the angelic warfare confraternity?
5: Oh, we don't have a, uh, a professional relationship, but I I, would, I definitely affirm uh, that movement. You know what Fight Club does is uh, we acknowledge the spiritual warfare of it. We acknowledge the necessity of our our Lady and the rosary. We, we but we also acknowledge accountability. But we acknowledge um, having a practical pragmatic plan is actually part of our way of of daily invitation called Pray, P-R-A-Y, Prayer, Rosary, Accountability, Yes, Battle Plan. And so it is our um entry point uh, that we invite men in a very simple way to invite them to a daily prayer life, which is in the book, Importance of the Rosary, the Importance of Accountability and the Yes, Battle Plan. You know, <clears throat> I would say that the biggest common denominator of men who break free are the men who are willing to do whatever it takes for him personally, not for uh, anyone in, in general, but for him, like for me, Matt O'Hara, what, what, what am I willing to do? So, for example, when I use my own yes battle plan for, uh, what do I need to put in my red circle? We have a three circle plan. Uh, one of the things I had to do was putting social media in my red circle, no go. And, that really helped free me up. A lot of guys' reaction sequence to pornography is late at night, bored, stressed, uh, on social media, intent to arouse, and leading into pornography. And so just looking, going up further up the river, and what are the things in my life that is leading me towards destruction? For me, it was having full transparency of what's on my screen and putting something like social media in my uh, no-go red zone.
2: Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a, that's a great idea. I also like the, the name of the group, Fight Club Catholic, because I've talked about this in the past in regards to why I think certain people leave the faith and some people stay in the faith. And I always talk about my family. It's like, and my family, all of my, myself and my siblings all remain Catholic and devout Catholics. And I think the reason for that is because my parents, especially my mother and culcated in us this idea that we were in a battle we were in a fight against the world the flesh and the devil against these uh, these wicked people who hated the faith and so i understood that the world was going to come after me the flesh was going to come after me the devil was going to come after me and that we understood that this was a fight and it helps us stay fast whereas if you think of it more of a I don't even know how other people think about it, but if you just think about it as just something you do, and then it's just it kind of passes away, just another thing. And so why did you kind of have this idea of naming it Fight Club?
5: Yeah, I mean, admittedly, uh, it, it came from the, the movie. Um, but, it, you know, to your point about fighting, you know, I had a priest once tell me, we are either running towards the cross or away from the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, we are never really standing still. And I think the beauty of our faith is like, we have something to cling to. We have something to have hope on and it is the, it is the cross, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, I just believe that the men, uh, they needed, but we are best. So we know that we are fighting number one. And number two, we are fighting for something other than ourselves. Our three fights and fight club is fighting for love of Christ, fighting for the love of our bride and the love of our brothers. And when we, what really motivates the man is when they can just know that they're fighting for another, for Christ, our bride and, and our brothers, you know, even for the single guys, you know, I deal, I dealt with 20 something year old men. I, I joke with them, you know, if, unless you're going to marry someone 20 years younger than yourself, your bride is out there right now. She could be across town, across state, across the country, across the world. And I help and I, and just encourage them to imagine what she could be doing. Uh, early in the morning on a Thursday and and know that you can be like you or can be what you do today is fighting for her right now and you can give that gift to her uh, when you meet her when you propose to her when you marry her and tell her how you were fighting for um, her today on, on this on this day
2: that's amazing. Um, one other thing before I run out of time is I want to talk about your field manual. This is something that's a little bit unique. There is something, is this something that people can get on their own and work on through themselves, or should they or must they do it with a group? What is the thing? What's the deal with the field manual?
5: 100%. Yeah. You can go to my website, fightclubcatholic.com. And, um, yeah, it's a pocket size field manual. I, I, we built it. Uh, four men to go to mass or adoration has a lot of great prayers in there, and yeah, you can go through it yourself and 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 look through like our daily invitation, and then it has a small group model in there as well. Uh, a lot of uh, priests or lay leaders buy it, so they and they create a fight club at their parish. You know, we published twenty <clears> twenty, <throat> and we ran out. Uh, we it's uh, uh, published a thousand. We ran out. We published again in twenty twenty two uh another thousand we ran out so we're actually working on uh version three right now uh that's gonna come up and come out next couple weeks but we have a few left if people uh want to go to our website but yeah it's it's uh it's meant to be in our tool belt in our back pocket uh in fighting for christ
2: now what message would you give to to women mothers uh siblings um, wives who are dealing with their husbands or sons or boyfriends dealing with pornography
5: yeah we on my on my website uh on about the author page there's a video of my wife and my uh recovery story and and uh, early in my marriage and uh, me fighting and and her being patient and 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 her uh just fighting with me and, and what that looked like and yeah, so I just, uh, you know, I just pray to Saint Monica, who prayed for her son for for 20 years, you know, pray to Our Lady, who who just was constant in prayer and 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 just know that there there's a greater, there's a greater uh, hope there in Jesus Christ, and 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 just believe it that. Nothing is impossible for him.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Go to check it out. FightClubCatholic.com. FightClubCatholic.com. God bless you. God love you. And we'll be right back with more right after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your One Minute Tool for Catholic Evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic Evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be Supported by music and song the 2000 year history of catholic worship is primarily about the representing of jesus unbloody timeless sacrifice on every catholic altar it is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into jesus own body and blood we then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self whether sorrow or praise and thirdly my take the only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions that is did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love help us father
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from
3: Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. It's 31 minutes past the hour. I'm Brent Haynes, and this is your news to keep you informed and inspired. Republican Investigative Committee opens impeachment inquiry this morning on Capitol Hill. Expert witnesses will testify about the Hunter Biden impeachment inquiry. Experts will include a forensic accountant who has testified in dozens of White Collar Fraud and Financial Investigations, as well as Professor Jonathan Turley, a law professor at George Washington University, who testified in the Trump impeachment conducted by the Democrats. New York City professor who chased reporter with machete gets new teaching position, reports Fox News. In May... Chalene Rodriguez was seen on video lunging out of her apartment and into the hallway where she held a machete to the throat of New York Post reporter Reuven Fenton. Rodriguez also followed the journalist to the street, NYPD said, and chased him with the machete. Fenton had knocked on her door for comment after Rodriguez, a professor at the school, lashed out at Hunter College students who were manning a table with pro-life materials, yelling profanities and calling the materials propaganda before tossing items from the display. The Cooper Union School of Art, a prestigious private school in Manhattan, lists Rodriguez as an adjunct professor teaching a three-credit class during the fall semester. Officials at the school did not immediately respond to inquiries regarding Rodriguez's hiring. U.S. Senate unanimously reinstates dress code. The Senate unanimously passed a bipartisan resolution Wednesday reinstating a dress code for the world's greatest deliberative body. The bipartisan bill, sponsored by Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, and Senator Mitt Romney, Republican from Utah, requires a coat, tie, and slacks for men. The resolution does not detail a dress code for women members. The bill is a backlash against Democrat Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's unilateral decision to eliminate the dress code earlier this month to accommodate Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who frequently wears gym shorts and a hoodie. Extreme fear has returned to the U.S. stock market, as determined by CNN's Fear and Greed Index, according to MarketWatch. The index, which consists of certain market indicators such as stock options volatility, reached the extreme fear level Wednesday for the first time since March 15th, when markets were reacting to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. U.S. stocks have been sliding since the Federal Reserve announced projections last week showing it plans to keep its benchmark policy interest rate target above 5 percent through 2024 longer than expected. Analysts assert that rising treasury yields and a strengthening of the bond market are driving stocks lower. And at 34 minutes past the hour, that's the news. And now back to Adrian.
2: Thank you very much, Brent, for keeping us up to date. A lot of really interesting stories, I think especially Some of those stories uh, I think we're going to talk about very soon. Uh, But let's start here. Some story that you shared with me yesterday that we didn't get a chance to uh, circle back around to was Al Jazeera is a a Muslim news source. Uh, Not exactly what one might call a pro-Catholic news reporting. They are actually coming out talking about the persecution of Catholics against uh, the Chinese government. And I was very surprised to see this, considering the source. Now, the headline is, A Jealous God, China Remakes Religion in Its Own Image. Authorities are violating religious freedoms across China as a leadership seeks to assert control. Now, what about the story st- struck your interest, uh, Brent?
3: Well, it's interesting. You know, We certainly have uh, theological differences with believers couple, in the maybe Islamic faith. Maybe, you know, maybe a couple. Um, but they they 're interested at least in terms of areas where where uh, there is religious oppression uh, where Muslims are not allowed to practice their faith they 're interested in the issue of religious liberty at least in those countries now religious liberty in Muslim countries different issue, and we 're familiar with uh, you know oppression in Pakistan, for example, where Christians are um, very unfairly and wrongly persecuted there but It's a rather long article, as news stories go these days. Uh, They go and interview uh, Chinese citizens. Um, They're talking to Catholics who um, are describing what it is like to be a Catholic and to try to practice the faith in China. You know, the comment, the communist God is a jealous God that does not want anyone to compete with its power, is one of the comments that's in the story. And that's really... You know the the goal of the of the Chinese system. So uh, it's
2: interesting because in the article it says according to Lu, pressure is mounting on China's Catholics who number as many as ten million people in a country that is officially atheist. It's very interesting. It goes on and says the government is trying to control everything about our religion, how our church looks, what our priests are, the way we pray. Lu said she is convinced. That is not just Catholic communities are feeling the way the Chinese party state. I think different groups all over China are having trouble with the government. This is very much the case. It's very interesting to see how many Catholics are there, and yet we kind of are throwing the Chinese Catholics under the bus. I haven't really been going out and defending them, and I haven't really been going out there to help them. In fact, we've been doing the exact opposite. We haven't really sent anybody aid. Instead, we kind of endorsed the Chinese Communist Party 's church, uh, the official church of the Chinese party, has been giving more and more winks and nods uh, from the, from legitimate authorities. a very concerning situation
3: well and the article is an even handed article you know it talks about the existence of the traditional faithful genuine Catholic mm-hmm. Church in China and it talks about the creation of the essentially competitive alternative Catholic Church, so-called Catholic Church, backed by the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. Um, it talks about the agreement between the Vatican and China, and you know, to uh, put it politely, um, it it's somewhat, you know, it's somewhat skeptical. You know, they they quote uh, one Chinese citizen is saying it shows the inability, you know, of the Vatican to read the political landscape in China. Um, So, analysts say, it's politically naive if the Vatican believes it can make a deal with Beijing that would grant the Catholic Church increased religious autonomy. Now, we have to believe and hope that the Holy Father and the members of the Curia are making their best efforts in terms of dealing with China. But when you consider the history of Marxism around the world, when you consider the history of Marxism in China and the current regime, the... You know, the Holy Father and the Curia have their work cut out for them in dealing with these people. You know, you have to get permission every time you go to church in China. If you want to go to mass, if you want to go to any kind of church service, you have to get permission every single time.
2: Yeah, it's very concerning, especially since in two days, September 30th, whenever they're appointing new cardinals, uh, one of the cardinals that are being appointed from China is a, at the very least— a sympathizer to the Chinese Communist Party and has attended many, many events with the official church sanctioned or the Communist sanctioned church in China. And that's very, very difficult to see what the strategy is there to appoint a Chinese Communist Party friendly bishop as a cardinal. I don't really know what a possible solution is gleaned from that. But we're seeing the same thing happen both in the church, but also. In the U.S. government, because U.S. House Oversight Committee had just obtained bank records revealing that two payments were made by the Chinese individuals to an account linked to President Joe Biden's Delaware residence during the 2019 presidential campaign. Now, this was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And then the second one was ten thousand dollars. I kind of wonder what happened there between that. Maybe the deal was 260000 and they were like, oh, we forgot to give you $10,000, uh, because 10000 seems like a very low amount. But – I mean, it's a lot for me, but and the, for that kind of thing, it seems like a low amount. Now, so it's funny to me because uh, people have been raving about uh, Donald Trump's relationship with China and Russia, and we had four years' of investigations of him. And honestly, it's kind of funny because despite – the moral failings of Donald Trump, he is like the cleanest president we've ever had considering they've done more investigations of him than anyone else ever, and he still have, they still haven't been able to arrest him for it. It's kind of funny if you think about it. But Joe Biden, before an impeachment has even happened, the U.S. Overhy- Oversight Committee has now confirmed that this is, in fact, the case that the, he is receiving money. Now, some people are saying, no, it was going to his residence, but it was actually to Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden was living at Joe Biden's house at the time. And I'm thinking, even so, you're going to be money's coming into your home, into the person that's living with you. That's very interesting, especially considering that Hunter Biden's text message had been revealed saying that he was uh, to his daughter saying that he has to pay for his his dad's stuff. That sounds like corruption to me. And it's very interesting that this is happening. And I wonder, is this a reason why they're not standing up against the Chinese Communist Party? Is it all about the money at the end of the day? Is it a pay-to-play scheme? Very interesting to see. When we come back, we're going to finish this story because we also found out some information about his relationship with Ukraine. So that and much more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, Do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. Thank you for being here. Now... It's really funny. It's not funny in a haha way. It's more funny in a this-is-crazy kind of way. This whole situation with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, the reason why I bring it up is because this story's been going on for a while, and I haven't really been keeping up with it, at least not on the show. I've been keeping up with it privately in my own interest, but I haven't really talked about it because at the end of the day, I was like, eh, I mean, we all know he's corrupt at the end of the day. What does this actually affect in our lives? But I was talking to a friend the other day, and they were unaware That Joe Biden was receiving money from Russia and Ukraine and China and that there was relationships between the Ukrainian government and the United States government and the United States and putting in our own personnel throughout the Ukrainian government and that they were unaware of all these things. And they were trying to tell me they were having this discussion. They're saying, oh, Donald Trump is so corrupt. Donald Trump uh, receiving money from all these groups and Donald Trump and business deals and all these different things. And I've never been, if anyone who listens to the show regularly knows, I've never been a Donald Trump apologist, but simply is the case that Donald Trump is the cleanest president that we've ever had, despite his moral failings, which I've discussed ad nauseum. And I won't go through again because I'd hate the idea that, oh, you got to hedge and say, oh, I disagree with this, this and this before I can say anything positive. But this is simply the case. And so I was like, okay, this needs to be discussed more because clearly people are unaware that Joe Biden has these kind of ties. So Timcast News, amongst many other sites, and I've kind of just synthesized it into a short little uh, excerpt here. In July, Senator Chuck Grassley released a document detailing potentially illicit ties between the Biden family and a number of contacts in Ukraine, where Biden has sent more than $100 billion in aid and supply since becoming president. Now, do you realize how much money that is? Uh, President Biden and the U.S. government has sent—and I say U- President Biden specifically because a lot of these things have not come to the legislature. A lot of these things are backwards dealings. Like, for instance, they we had sent the money over to Ukraine, and we had already extended all the money that we had agreed upon giving. And then we went backwards and said, oh, actually, we were wrong about the price of the guns and the tanks and the planes. It's actually—they were cheaper than we said— and so actually we still owe them another $100 million. And so they then sent them more money and more supplies because they just changed the prices on things. That's the way they get around being able to get the voters' representation into this situation. It's absolutely absurd because what are our founding fathers? What is the big thing that everybody knows? No taxation without representation. Well, we're being taxed. The U.S. government, the U.S. population, the U.S. citizens are being taxed without representation by us changing prices and just sending things over to Ukraine. Now, going back to this, the document recorded the testimony of confidential sources from the FBI who claimed that Biden and his son Hunter received a combined 10 million dollars in bribery schemes involving Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Now, it's that's a whole another story that would take a while to cover, but it's worth looking into. It's a story about Burisma and Hunter Biden's being appointed to the board of Burisma despite having zero qualifications to do so and happens after Joe Biden becomes a vice president. Very interesting. Although initially dismissed by some news outlets as unverified, a subsequent report confirmed that the FBI has corroborated parts of the document. This is very interesting and it should definitely keep us up to date and our eyes open about the Biden family's international business dealings. I think... That if you're going to be a public servant, well, this has to be something that is something you decide you want to give up some goods in order to serve the common good. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you're going to run for government, especially places like governor, governor president, things like the senators, house of representatives, it should not be the case that you can enrich yourself this way. That you're going to, you're going to make a sacrifice to do this. You're going to lose money by doing this. You're going to actually put up some of your money. You're going to say, oh, you know what? While I am senator, while I am in the House, while I am president, I will make no business deals. I will invest no money. Yeah, that's not fair, but it's also not required that you become president. This is a voluntary thing. Now, should I do I think that we should pass a law making this the case? Uh, probably not, but... I do think there has to be something to do with trying to restrict people from being able to enrich themselves off of their dealings in these public offices. In the, as civil servants, they call themselves, and our friend Brent Haynes knows all about being a civil servant. That um, You get paid uh, buku bucks, right, Brent?
3: Well, you know how monks take a vow of poverty, Adrian? Yes, sir. And people in Catholic Radio do. We're, a lot of us in government service are just one step above that.
2: And it's interesting, though, because somehow a lot of these people end up becoming filthy rich off of it. And so it's how very does that
3: happen if it? civil
2: servants don't get paid as much as people in private isn't practices? It,
3: and is, isn't it interesting how Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House for so many years, is a multimillionaire uh, through her husband's shrewd investments. Remember, uh, it's only been a few months since these some of these scandals have come to light, and there was an effort to pass a bill in Congress that would prohibit Congressmen and Congresswomen from investing on you know in the stock market mm-hmm. because they get access to information that gives them an insider's advantage, and they still have not passed that bill, Adrian. Mm, very interesting. I mean, that's the other thing. How on earth do you get something like that passed
2: when it directly interferes with they what they want?
3: You have to have some integrity, don't you?
2: I don't know who that would be that would be willing to do something like that. It's just absolutely mind blowing about to think that somebody the, would be willing to do to give up power that way.
3: Well, there are those who are trying. Look, th- that bill, like other legislation, will pass when the American people insist on it.
2: Oh, speaking of American people insisting upon things, a recent poll came out, or not Pew Research came out 65% of Americans are in favor of moving to popular vote to decide the presidency. This is very concerning because it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the American citizens s- system. It is. If this happens, I was I mean, Brent and I were talking about this the other day about the American system and the legitimate forms of government. And by doing that, this is one of the things the Founding Fathers did in order to prevent mob rule. Because if a this is the great problem of democracies. The great problem of democracies, it is it has a high likelihood of devolving into mob rule, where 51% of the population governs 49% of the population. This is not what we have as a system of government here for good reason. We have an electoral college, and this is the problem. Whenever Republicans start winning... In terms of popular vote but lose the electoral college, Republicans like, we need to get rid of the electoral college. And then when vice versa, the Democrats win the popular vote but they lose the electoral college, they're saying, we need to get rid of the electoral college. And so nobody has actual principles. That's the problem.
3: Well, you said it best when you said there's a misunderstanding. Look, the Founding Fathers really did create, for all their flaws, slavery being the biggest um, – They created an ingenious system of government. They decentralized power and they dispersed power. And what people forget is that the federal government was not supposed to be the huge, massive, overreaching government that it is today. The states were the main governments when this nation was founded. The U.S. Constitution ingeniously divides authority and divides sovereignty between the states, which gives us control at the local level through our states, and the national government. And the point of the Electoral College is it makes the individual states significant. The reason every state has two senators in the United States Senate, instead of having members based entirely on the amount of the population they have, like we have in the U.S. House of Representatives, is because the Senate is geared to recognize the states as distinct political bodies. We announced yesterday on Catholic Drive Time... You know, we announced the news that you know, had been in the media that had just come out that Governor Newsom of California, a very Democrat state, is going to debate Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, a very Republican state. Those states are distinct. They have different cultures, they have different values, they have different uh, political philosophies that are dominant in each. And that debate will highlight a clash of ideas that exist because the voters in those states have chosen to enact different policies by, uh, by electing different politicians. Mm-hmm. When you say, well, we want to have just a popular vote to elect the president, you're wiping out the importance of the states. Presidential candidates will campaign primarily in the large urban centers and in the, in the big states, they will ignore states like Iowa, West Virginia, Delaware and they will like, completely ignore states.
2: the small cities like Abilene like Midland
3: they, they 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 it will de-emphasize the small states and the so-called flyover country but the point is that the electoral college plays an important role it it requires politicians to pay attention to all parts of the country
6: mm-hmm.
3: you know my home state of West Virginia is still important because it has a tiny amount of electoral votes but in these close races we have Everyone counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two states where electoral votes are divided, not just by at the state level, but at the congressional district level. Nebraska and Maine. Guess what? Nebraska tends to go Republican, but one of those districts goes Democrat. In Maine, it tends to be the reverse. Uh, what, does that, what does that do for candidates? It means the candidates go there. They pay attention to those people. Uh, so this uh, effort to simply turn the, uh, you know, turn the, presidential election into a, a simple majority vote does exactly what you said. It turns it over into, well, we don't have to say mob rule, but majority rule. The electoral college is part of a system to disperse power and to protect, uh, protect the minority from the majority. The best example of protecting the minority from the majority is right there in the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Why do we have the Bill of Rights? Because the founding fathers knew that sometimes you can't trust men with power. Yep.
2: Well, I mean the Bill of Rights hotly debated, but the thing that people debated was not what you think it would be. What they debated was, man, if we give us give them a Bill of Rights, they
3: might think that these are their only rights. That was a big And that issue. was the biggest issue. That was one of the issues that I – because those – they were called the Anti-Federalists, as you mm-hmm. know – because they were concerned if we just list these li- rights, if we enumerate these rights and only these rights, people might think these are the only ones. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they put in you know, a the way tenth, of amending the, it, the 10th oh. Amendment. But uh, the point is that the Bill of Rights is the perfect example that we don't just have majority rule. We have majority rule for most things that don't interfere with fundamental rights. But we don't put it up to majority rule as to whether or not to have free speech. Right.
2: Right. I mean, it's very concerning once we get to that system. But what is it? The thing about this that is very telling to me is the fact that this shows that the majority of Americans do are not content with our form of government. They're not content with our political system currently. In fact, in that same research study, they says about four percent of U.S. adults say the political system is working extremely or very well. About 60% express not much or no confidence in the future of the U.S. political system. Just 16% of the public say they trust the federal government always or most of the time. I want to meet that 16%. 63% of Americans say that they are dissatisfied with their options for presidential candidates. 65% say they always or often feel exhausted when thinking about politics. And when asked to sum up their feelings about politics, 79% use negative or critical words with divisive and corrupt being used most frequently what does this tell me well this tells me that what we need is to go back to say christ is king because i guarantee you if christ is king you'll be happy with your king i promise i promise because he's always going to make the right decision so let's let's pray for the reign of christ the king and say viva christore we'll be right back with more right after this
7: always hear from
0: uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord, and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church, and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
7: Contact us at standtalltoday.com.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly
0: suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The the deal clincher is we found our way to our our parish and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we had never been taught wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. We're just talking in the last hour, just wrapping up discussion about the Electoral College and why we should not abolish the Electoral College, and how most most Americans just don't have a civics education about why the Electoral College exists. But I tell you what, I do endorse. I do endorse uh, the abolishing of the Electoral College if, by doing so, we then have the majority vote make me king, and then I just like, abolish voting and I just make all the rules myself. And that's that's the, uh, the endorsement I will make. But unless we're going to do that, then I say we keep the system as it is because it is much better than the alternative. But uh, instead of going on and on about some bad news, let's talk about something really great. And to, whenever I want to talk about something great, I always have Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today join us. Good morning to me. Good morning to me. Good morning to you, Alan Smith. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Smith.
8: Uh good morning Adrian it is great to be here um you know many of the listeners know that i live in the great white north of canada and today we woke up to you know 40 degrees uh, fahrenheit um, 40 degrees 10, 40 degrees uh, I've got the hoodie on. We get our, our, our um, want to say fall wear out, uh, which is, uh, you know, the winter jackets and the hoodies. But, um, again, just feeling comfortable. And, um, but again, great to be alive. And, uh, you know, uh, did a bit of spiritual reading this morning. And, uh, of course, opened up one of Archbishop Sheen's 66 books. And so, uh, always lots to share. So <laughs> thanks for having me on this morning. So what are you reading currently? Well, I, I've been reading, uh, Archbishop Sheen's writings on Saint Therese, mm. uh, because I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, presenting, uh, about the Holy Face of Jesus. And of course, everyone sees that beautiful picture of Saint Therese, uh, of the child Jesus and the Holy Face. Uh, you know, again, that beautiful portrait of her holding the two pictures of the child Jesus and the Holy Face. And so Fulton Sheen, and many people don't know this, but uh, in 1948, he became a third order Carmelite. And um, again, Roman Catholic priests can become third order Dominicans, third order Franciscans, third order, you know, the list is endless, it seems. But he had a great love for Carmel and of course this love for saint therese and her writings and so uh again he made that pledge to become a third order carmelite and follow uh to some degree their rule and so uh, a lot of people are um you know when they hear that they go wow i didn't know that about Fulton Shame. Uh, but again this love story he has with saint therese and it's so beautiful and um of course, they put together a book of his homilies uh, that in 1973, on the 100th anniversary of the um, birth of St. Therese, they uh, celebrated this great uh, gathering in Ireland, and Fulton Sheen gave 11 reflections. And those reflections were put into a book called... Um, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen's A Treasured Love Story, St. Therese. And uh, again, just life lessons are in here. Uh, Just a beautiful book. And so I've been enjoying that and uh, taking some notes. So when I give these presentations on the Holy Face, uh, I've got something to offer. So uh, that's what I've been reading.
2: Wow. You know, I read that book a number of years ago. And that is the book that made me actually... Have a love for Saint Therese of Sue the and I've, I've mentioned this before in the past, and and I completely admit there's a defect on my own part, but I just don't I just don't like the story of a soul. I I'm not, I never got into it. I've tried to read it, and I just just never never could like it. It was just too too syrupy for me, for my taste. Uh, but I recognize that's my fault, not anyone else's, because everyone who is holy and good thinks it's amazing. So it says more about me than it does about St. Therese LeSue. Uh, But nonetheless, I read this book by Fulton Sheen, and I just fell in love with Therese Lisieux. I was like, wow, I need to have a devotion to this great woman. And one of the things about Therese that I think is amazing is how young she was. She was 24 years old, and she had this image in her face. And you, we think about the holy face, that picture, especially that picture, that picture of her holding the holy face and the child Jesus. And then you see her face, and I despise the iconography that people make of her, that have her with the rosy cheeks, with with plump red lips, and they make her look so, so, um, just so sweet. But when you see her in actuality, you do see that there is a, there is a delicateness in her, but there's also a strong um, gaze on her. And she's very sweetly serene, but also you can see the intensely reflective nature in her eyes and in her demeanor. That her face is just stamped with a tranquil acceptance of suffering and the life of the cross. And then you compare that to the holy face that she's holding in her hands, and you can tell who and what she's always thinking of. Uh, What say you, Alan
8: Smith? Uh, Yes, so true. I mean, we had prayer cards made up. And of course, for those who are watching on uh, YouTube and uh, other social medias, this uh, beautiful uh, picture of her holding those uh, pictures of the holy face and the child Jesus. But I think what people have to understand is that um, you start to not say look like your environment, but remember the environment that you're in. Sometimes it can uh, affect how you look. And Saint Therese life, again, for Carmelite. Um, again, it is a life of prayer and service. Um, again, we're so used to uh, heating and air conditioning. You know, when it's cold in the winter, we have the heat on. And when it's uh, hot in the summer, we have air conditioning. But in the Carmel, again, they didn't have these luxuries. Uh, but they just had a great life of serving each other and praying to God and becoming holy. And Of course, St. Therese spent a great deal of time meditating on the Holy Face, but meditating on the life of the child Jesus. Um, It's a great spiritual journey to uh, take up this exercise of thinking about Jesus as a child, thinking about those tender moments of him as an infant in the arms of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Him, of course, just uh, going out uh, into the workshop of St. Joseph and helping his father. All of these beautiful, tender stories that St. Therese took time to just meditate on. And I don't think we do that. Um You know, do we ever say to our friends, Oh, I was meditating on the child Jesus this morning in the manger, and how the magi and the shepherds came to adore him. Uh, we only do that at Christmas time, but not during the year. But St. Therese did that. And so she became what she meditated on. And of course, the innocence and joy of the child Jesus, and yet the serenity of our Lord in his suffering and his passion. Uh, again, how he was committed to the mission that God the Father gave him to lay down his life for us. So a uh, beautiful radiance of St. Therese and those two images of the child Jesus and the Holy Face.
2: You know, you know that's that's so interesting. You see the the innocence and the beauty and the serenity of the child Jesus, and you have that in contrast with the with the bruised and the beat and the suffering of the of the holy face. And you see those two side by side, and I think that's exemplified perfectly in Teresa Lisu. And I think of the story of Teresa Lisu that one once, when a nun was helping her arrange her habit and inadvertently stuck a pin in her flesh, she didn't complain. But left the pin where it was until she retired for the evening. And I think about myself and I, and my own lack of wanting to suffer. I mean, I get dental work done and then I pop three Advil's, two Taunernauls, and I'm like, I can't even, I don't want even the this discomfort uh, throughout the day of having that pain. So I just pop all these pills to try to make that pain go away. Whereas what would the Saints have done? They probably would have been like, Oh that dental pain hurts but for love of you I will endure the pain and they wouldn't take the medicine um I think that's a something that we've lost in today's is understanding that that this pain there's a there's a goodness that can come from it if we just accept it versus try to always get rid of all pain immediately and everywhere.
8: Yes. And and of course Saint Thérèse uh, gives us a holy example. Um, her death was was hard i mean she died of tuberculosis and we see pictures of her on her deathbed uh yet still had that serenity because she had practiced dying she of course looked to our lord and his suffering and his death so she was um given the example of how to die and she had a beautiful death and so uh yet she had those beautiful sentiments to say i will spend my eternity doing good on earth you know one thing Trez can teach us is a valuable lesson when she was a little girl she was sitting on her father's lap and she was looking to the stars and she saw the letter T so she knew that her name was written in heaven she had that holy confidence that she was made forever and that she was rejoicing in God her Savior that uh, she was going to be busy for eternity And I think this is what we have to get into our heads. We were made for eternity. Get used to it. Mm. Get used to it. And uh, to think, you know, today we're waking up to serve our families, our friends. uh, But one day we will wake up and serve the Lord uh, for all eternity. So uh, that joy of the holy work of St. Therese, may we imitate her uh, here on this life. And, of course, join her in the next
2: you know it's really worthwhile that we're talking about this because her feast day is coming up here. I think on Tuesday, I want to say, I believe that's right. It might be Wednesday, but I'm trying to go off a of memory here. And I think it's October third, and we're ha- it's it's a glorious time to meditate upon such a holy and wonderful woman. So it's divine providence that uh, you come on today to talk about this. Uh, one more thing about the child Jesus. Now this is a very popular devotion in other countries. But in our country, obviously there are people who are of Filipino descent that have a great devotion to the child of Jesus. But in general, we kind of don't really get the whole child of Jesus thing. We kind of just, it's something that we see other people do, but we don't quite understand it ourselves. And the Holy Face makes a lot of sense. But the child of Jesus, what say you, why the devotion
8: there? Well, you know, because again, the Holy Face, although we think of his passion, I meditate on how our Blessed Mother would wipe the face of Jesus mm. as a little boy, uh, wipe his face even as a, as a young man. Uh, of course, just always uh, pr- practicing those tendernesses towards the mother and child. But yet, we think of children and their holy innocence, but yet they come in all dirty from playing outside, and their mothers wipe their face. And so we have that opportunity to compassion our Lord. And I think this is what St. Therese teaches us, practice this devotion of compassioning him, looking upon his face. Um, of course, the uh, suffering Christ, the veil of Veronica, or the Shroud of Turin, those images, but to also not just compassion our Lord in his suffering moments, but make a nice tenderness towards looking at, at the child Jesus and saying, oh, you're so beautiful. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming into this world and taking on human flesh and dwelling among us. But the beauty of the child's face and so we have to look at things that are beautiful because that's what brings us to god we've always taught that um again it's the beautiful that will bring us to god and so looking at a beautiful young uh, boy, a picture of the child Jesus, uh, can bring joy into our hearts and we need more joy. So, uh, again, get a picture of the holy face in your life, but get a picture of the child Jesus. Uh, a beautiful statue of the infant of Prague is a good practice and uh, bring some joy into your life. Looking at children, uh, it does a great work in your soul. And Amen. so we need more of that.
2: Amen. I know I, I have a baby fever. Every time I see a child, I'm like, oh, I want one. Uh, but yeah, having a child of the, uh, the image of the, of the child Jesus, a wonderful thing. And I have a devotion to our Lady of Perpetual Help and I have her image all over the place. And what is in are the hands of our Lady of Perpetual Help, but the child Jesus. So I think that's a wonderful thing. So pre- definitely, I think the advice of Alan Smith every single week is get some good images around you. Get some good holy images around you, be it the holy face be it the child Jesus, be it whatever it is that most speaks to your heart, go ahead and do so today. If you can get high-quality images, go do it. If you can afford, hire a a professional painter. If you can't, go print some prints. Whatever you got to do, get some holy images around you. But God bless you, Alan. We'll see you in the after show. God bless you. God love you. God love you, too. And check it out, Bishop Sheen Today, bishopsheentoday.com. Make sure you check out all of Alan's work, bishopsheentoday.com. We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Make sure you call in right now, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. That number one more time, 877-757-9424. You can call in and we always take the first caller. So if you are the first caller, you will, in fact, be our contestant and have a chance to win this week's prize. So make sure you call in 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with more right after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father? Father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament. In Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term Father being used, referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus is once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, Hey preacher, it oh, just seems so lacking.
1: So many of us carry such heavy burdens.
0: Come on, babe. It'll be fun. It's
6: just you and me.
1: Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or Mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org.
4: Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance, and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424.
2: 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 9424. If you call now, you could be the winner because I have good news for you because right now the next person to dial in will in fact be our contestant. We'll have the chance to be the winner. So make sure you dial that number 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That is the number, and you could, in fact, be our winner. That's all you got to do is pick up the phone and dial that number. Now, you may be asking, what exactly am I calling in for? What exactly is going on? Well, let me tell you. I have here in front of me three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Brent the questions. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. Every right answer will go into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize, and this week's prize is a book from Bishop Sheen today. We're just talking to Alan Smith from Bishop Sheen today, and we're going to be giving away a book from Bishop Sheen today, an excellent, wonderful work of Fulton Sheen on the, I believe it's the Seven Virtues is a book that that we're giving away, Uh, and plus we'll throw in some CDT goodies. So make sure that you are on our on our list right here to call in because we'd love to make sure that you are getting that prize. So that number, 877-757-9424. And if you don't want to be able to write our number in because it's just too difficult, well, make sure you go to our website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash cdt and call then and you can get our number there i email all that stuff sign up for our email list all that is available by going to our email list and going to our website rather grnonline.com forward slash cdt uh, but joining us right now is amy good morning to you amy good morning uh, amy I have
7: sebastian my son here with me too He's um, five.
2: praise be to god good morning to you sebastian
7: Say hi. hi. You're good?
2: Okay. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I love it. Uh, <laughs> where are y'all off to this morning?
7: I am about to drop him off at his Catholic school. Praise be to God. At our Lady of Perpetual Help.
2: Hey! I love our Lady of Perpetual Help. That's. I, I want,
7: know. I heard that.
2: That's perfect. I, I love it. I love it. Well, praise mm-hmm. be to God. I'm glad y'all called in this morning. Where? Uh, what city are you calling in from?
7: We're close to San Antonio. We're just outside. It's called Ciblo.
2: Ciblo. Okay. Ciblo near San Antonio area. Well, praise be to God. Yeah. Amy, I think that's uh pretty awesome. Now, are y'all familiar with the game? Do y'all know how to play?
7: We do know how to play.
2: Perfect, perfect. Then you know um this week you can keep you Brent is a lawyer and he keeps a amazing poker face. So you had to have a discerning <laughs> ear to make sure that you're able to, to tell that he whether or not he is trying to trick you or whether or not he is giving you a true answer. I mean, can you ever really trust a lawyer? I hope so. <laughs> I, I know so. You can some some lawyers you can trust. <laughs> now, Sebastian, I know you're gonna have to help your mom here. I know you're an expert theologian at five years old, going to Catholic school, going to Our Lady perpetual help. Huh? So. Uh-huh. He's going to be able to give you the answers. So no cheating, Sebastian, but nonetheless, you can still help your mom. Are y'all ready to play? Are
4: you yeah. ready to play? Yeah.
2: All right. Let's do it. Question number one. Brent, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. The question on the board is, what does the Roman Rota, or Vatican court, deal with primarily?
3: Well, you remember that yesterday one of our questions was, does the Vatican have a jail?
2: That's right. I remember that.
3: Well, they, I was here. They have a jail, mm-hmm. as you will remember, and of course they have a court, it's called the Roman Rota, and it deals with crimes that are committed in the Vatican city-state. Oh, like like violent crimes or what kind of crimes? Whatever crimes there are. They uh, found a news story that says they have one inmate at their jail now. He's a priest who like on some sort of work release every day. I guess he spends the night there. Oh, wow. Very interesting. So Presumably, he went through the, that court, the Roman Rota.
2: All right, Amy, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what does the Roman Rota, or the Vatican court, deal with primarily, now, Brent says that it's crimes, and that's why you got to have that Vatican jail we talked about yesterday. Uh, what say you, Amy and Sebastian?
7: Hello. What do you say, buddy? You say? I'm still thinking.
2: We're going to say no. <laughs> going to no. say no. All right. Let's see. Survey says? That is correct. Way to go, Sebastian. Very intelligent. He knew he could tell that Brent was trying to trick him, and he would not allow his mom to fall for it. Uh, the correct answer was illegal questions concerning Catholic marriages, which makes sense. I mean, that is a major, major deal that goes through, I mean, I feel like the primary job of a canned lawyer is dealing with marriages, marriage issues. Uh, but praise be to God, Amy, you rocked it. Sebastian, good job on helping your mom. Are you ready for question number two? Ready? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. I like the energy. I like the enthusiasm. Brent, question number two for you. The question is, which
3: cardinal virtue includes obedience? As a lawyer, I'm glad to say my answer to the last question, notwithstanding, mm-hmm. the answer is justice. Is justice. The cardinal virtue of justice includes uh, the uh, virtue of obedience. Cardinal oh. virtue of justice includes obedience.
2: Oh, so you're saying as a lawyer, because all lawyers are concerned with justice and, and not simply uh, sophistry, right? Right, Brent? Well...
3: Some lawyers, t- some lawyers take, a, take a second <laughs> vow. Um, other lawyers,
2: you know. Well, there you go, folks. All right, Amy and Sebastian, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, which cardinal virtue includes obedience? Well, Brent Haynes, attorney at law, says, as a lawyer, of course. I'm happy to say it's justice. No. No? Are you sure? you sure you want to go with no? He says he's sure. He's sure. All right. All right. Let's see. A survey says... Oh, I'm sorry, Sebastian. It is, in fact, correct that justice is the cardinal virtue and obedience is a sub-virtue of justice. For example, Sebastian, it would be you should be obedient to your mother... Out of justice, because it is right and just, and according to the fourth commandment, that we obey and honor our father and mother. So it is, in fact, justice is the cardinal virtue in which obedience falls under. But don't worry, Sebastian, you did amazing. You're doing wonderful. You still got one for one, one out of two so far. Um, Can you get the third one? I think you will. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right. You got to be careful here because this could be a tricky question, Uh, but I think you and your mom will be able to get it correct. Question number three, Brent. Now, as a lawyer, you had to uh, learn Latin, right? At least a little bit.
3: No. No, nothing. No Latin at all? A tiny amount. A tiny amount. I had a debate with a priest friend of mine who used to work with lawyers and had to persuade him that. Uh, we use almost no Latin in the law anymore. Wow, that's sad. Neither in the church as well, In a way, I it is sad because Latin's a great language.
2: Well, as we would say in Latin, you learn un poquito Latin. Or is that Spanish? I don't know. All right. The question is, what is the Latin word for the monstrance?
3: The Latin word for the monstrance is monstri.
2: Monstri. But
3: the, it's spelled at the end. That last syllable is A-E. You know how you see some Latin mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. F have singular, plural, you know, A or A-E. Um, it is monstri, but it is spelled A-E at uh, the end. Oh. Well,
2: that sounds a lot like the way I say, make up words in Spanish. I just put L and then the, word o, the letter O at the end of it. Um, so I would Are say... Are you
3: saying I'm making this up? I
2: am not saying that. I would never say that. I'm just saying... Because maybe I am. If... If I was to make up this word in Spanish, I would say el monstruoso, and that sounds like what you're doing here. But I don't know. Amy and Sebastian, it's their job to figure that out, not me. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Sebastian, the question is, what is the Latin word for the monstrance? Well, Brent's saying that it's monstri with an IE at the end. Uh, what say you, Sebastian and Amy?
7: What do you think Sebastian? I don't know you don't know Mm-mm. okay
2: we'll say true are you sure you want to go with true? no, we want to go with false she wants to go with false all right let's see survey says <laughs> that is correct Amy way to go see Sebastian I knew you were a Latin scholar I knew you'd be able to get a uh, get that correct. A, clearly, at five years old, they're teaching Latin at Our Lady of Perpetual Help, right? Ah,
7: uh, they do Spanish, actually. Oh well,
2: there you go. So they—they they, he understood the L monstranso one. Then that's the one he got. Exactly. A <laughs> well, way to go, Amy and Sebastian. Our Lady of Perpetual Help, pray for us. The correct answer is actually—and now let me uh, butcher my Latin here—ostensorium. Ostensorium is a name of the word in Latin. And so now you can add that. Go to your Spanish class and be like, uh, "I may not know Spanish, but I do know the word monstrance in Latin, which is ostensorium." And you can write that down. It'll be a great little uh, fun fact for you there. Now, praise be to God, y'all rocked it. Now, Sebastian, before we go, I gotta ask, what's your favorite subject in school so far?
1: A playground.
2: Playground. I didn't know there was a subject <laughs> in school. Well, I gotta tell you. I- being on the playground is my favorite subject still i still that is my well, favorite I thing know how to do the monkey bars. <laughs> <laughs> no way uh i for one do not have the upper body strength to do the monkey bars anymore i need to work on that I need to do work on some pull-ups but praise be to god sebastian you're rocking it but god bless you god love you we're gonna put you on hold and we're gonna get your mom's contact information so that way if Uh, You get the answer. Uh, We get your name out Friday. We can send you all the prize. But God love you all and God bless you. Have
7: a good day. Have a good day.
2: You as well. You as well. Putting you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, you're welcome to hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble. Just look up Catholic Drive Time. Look up Catholic Drive Time on Facebook, Rumble, or on YouTube. And you can find us there. And you leave a comment, we'll interact with you directly, answer your questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, or positivities, or anything in between. We'd love to do so. So hop on with us. But if not, we'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon.
7: Thank you for
0: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
4: the Guadalupe Radio Network
2: now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
9: Welcome to the Holy Mass live at Our Lady's Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the soul community. Today, we celebrate the memorial of Lawrence Ruiz and Companions, the holy martyrs of Japan. We offer this holy sacrifice of the mass for all those joining us on Guadalupe Radio online and those here present. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore. His sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our King victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, The love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and shall prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie he Kyrie song. eleison Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, Lord God, the same perseverance shown by your martyrs, St. Lawrence Ruiz and his companions, in serving you and their neighbor, since those persecuted for the sake of righteousness are blessed in your kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
6: A reading from the beginning of the Book of the Prophet Haggai. On the first day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to the Prophet Haggai, to the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and to the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Thus says the Lord of Hosts, this people says, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then this word of the Lord came through Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you to dwell in your own paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now thus thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much but have brought in little. You have eaten but have not been satisfied. You have drunk but have not been exhilarated. Have clothed yourselves but have not been warmed and whoever earned wages earned them for a bag with holes in it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up into the hill country, bring timber, and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and receive my glory, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. The Lord takes delight in his people. The Lord takes delight in his people. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in their Maker, that the children of Zion rejoice in their King. The Lord takes delight in His people. Let them praise His name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to Him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord loves His people, and He adorns the lowly with victory. The Lord takes delight in His people. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy upon their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. This is the glory of all his faithful. Alleluia. The Lord takes delight in his people.
9: Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. I am the way and the truth and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John I beheaded. Who then is this about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting about this very short passage in the Gospel of Luke speaking about Herod the Tetrarch is that when Jesus asks his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? They give the same exact responses. That was definitely what we call the word in the street. Is that you're either John the Baptist or one of the prophets has arisen or Elijah has, has appeared. So even in Herod's court, he was getting the same, the same information. And it's interesting because Herod, seemed, he is perplexed because he hears what's going on. And that last line is very telling. And he kept trying to see him. You wonder how hard he really tried. <laughs> I mean, being king, of course, you probably just can't go out in the street whenever you want. But there were so many, obviously the poor, the sick, the lame, those who were searching for meaning in their life who would come to Jesus and you wonder, said, how hard did Herod really really look? No, he probably was just too busy about his own, his own business of ruling the kingdom. There's plenty to do there. But not really concerned mostly about the things of God. I think that's where, that's where the theme that comes from the readings today. When we look at that first reading from the book of the prophet Haggai, Haggai was one of the later prophets who comes after the exile very, very short, but, uh, but 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 very um, very direct in what he wants to say, and that is when the people had come back from exile, they had rebuilt their houses, but they had not built rebuilt the house of god and Haggai is saying it 's the time to put first things first, to put God first, everything else will will, will have its place that 's what we call uh, peace is really the tranquillity of order when everything. Comes when, for the top of the pyramid is God, then everything flows out beneath. When we flip that upside down, which we tend to do in our lives sometimes, is uh, everything becomes disordered. He says in that first reading, "Consider your ways." So, when God is not first, what happens? He says, "You have sown much, but have brought in little. You have eaten, but have not been satisfied. Drunk, but not exhilarated. Clothed yourselves, but not warmed." And whoever earned wages earned them for a bag with holes in it. All those things of, of, of very little, uh, producing very little, unsatisfied, unexhilarated, concerned, I guess, maybe about just being about clothing, food, drink. And Jesus says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of these things, but of justice and peace. And you've earned wages with the bags with holes in it, it's worth nothing. When God is not first, that's what happens. And I would say one of the big, greatest red flags in our life when God, is, when God is not first is that we are simply tired. Not just physically tired, but spiritually tired. Tired maybe of life, tired of this, tired of that. Because with God, if, if God is first in our life and we're adoring him, then God who is, who is creative, God who is, who is all-being, if he, if he is the one that fills our soul, we have time for everything. We will be exhilarated, full, so on and so forth. Because we have everything. We have God. I think that maybe the last thing to, to mention is that I sometimes am very touched in, in confession. when one of, the peop, one of the things that people bring to confession is that, Lord, Father, I have sinned. I have not loved God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I should probably say that every single time I go to confession, and I think I forget, I have, not loved, I have not fulfilled that first of all commandments to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything else, of course, falls from there. Yes, I need to be able to love God more, to adore him more, to recognize his presence in my life more. We need to search for him more. Not unlike Herod, who's, who wants to see the extraordinary and the, you know, the wow and all the fireworks, but trying to see him more intimately in our life and recognizing that God has to come first. And if he does, then we will be filled. Let us ask the Lord to, uh, to help us, to give us the strength and the energy, in our tiredness to continue to seek him more deeply in our life, that we would always make God the first priority in our life. Let us stand now and bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God for all of her needs, that she may, the Church may be a more ever more transparent witness to the transforming power of the gospel in the world today. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who govern us, that truly they would seek God and, and His um, discernment in all their decisions. That they would really listen to the Holy Spirit let us pray to the Lord for our brothers and sisters in Japan through the intercession of St. Lawrence Ruiz and the companions the faith would be vibrant there and throughout the world let us pray to the Lord for the sick through the suffering for those who are in need The Lord may provide for them, and we would provide also for them as our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for those who are far away from God, uh, who have abandoned him, that the Lord would draw them closer to himself through his, his cords of love and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. We take a moment in silence to offer the prayers we hold in our hearts. for these intentions, for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio and, our, and online, for these intentions, let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you know the many needs we have in this life. we all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive, Holy Father, the offerings we bring in commemoration of the holy martyrs and grant that we, your servants, may be found steadfast in confessing your name through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. lift Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and eternal God. For you are glorified when your saints are praised, their very sufferings are but wonders of your might. In your mercy you give ardor to their faith, to their endurance you grant firm resolve. And in their struggle, the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore, all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration. And we with all the hosts of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus. Sanctus Dominus Deus Abaum, pleni unce et terra, gloria Tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Lawrence Ruiz and his companions, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, Peace of the Lord be with you always. The offer and the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis. Agnus Dei. Qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I'm not worthy to enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall
6: For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there
9: immortal, Jesus thy Son to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days. Giving in Christ the bread eternal, Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Let us pray. O God, who in your holy martyrs have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, graciously grant that, drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. St.
0: Michael the Archangel Defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
3: I peace always in the name of Christ our Lord, Amen.
4: All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.